got a t-shirt with bloodstains all over it, maybe laundry isn't your biggest problem right now. <laughs> I remember the day the candle shop burned down. Everybody just stood around and sang happy birthday. And a security guard came over and said, you're gonna have to move, you're blocking the fire exit. As though if there was a fire, I wasn't gonna run. <laughs> You make love to the right woman. Johnny is beautiful, beautiful. I mean, the last time I made love to my wife, it was ridiculous. <laughs> Nothing was happening. I looked her, I saw it's the matter. Can't you think of anyone either? <laughs> I never learn, you know? Like a waitress will bring my meal. Hey, enjoy your meal, you too! But you don't have one, do you? I'm a doofus! If you do eat, enjoy when you eat it. If you have a break or something later, if you get an opportunity, that's all I'm trying to say. That's all that I'm driving at, really. Hello, welcome to Comedy Think Tanked, a podcast with Leonard Kimball and Nick Gordon, two comedians who know how to take a drink and have a thought. Sit back, get comfortable, and enjoy. Now, whether they're ready or not, here's your hosts, Leonard and Nick. Hello, Leonard. <laughs> Hello, Nick. Welcome. Are you there? I'm there. Are you here? Nick, can you hear me? Yes, just fine. Okay, great. <laughs> Is that a song? Uh, uh yeah. Oh my god. I, so it's, it's like it's like dun 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 dun. Can you hear me? I don't, I don't know. <sighs> yeah, this is awesome. You're stretching the limits of my <laughs> pop culture knowledge. It's not pop culture. Oh, it's, okay. Yeah, it's like a oh my god, it's a, it's like a movie with a song in it. Like Papa, can you hear me? Oh god. Is it like Cher? Is it a Christmas movie? No, it's like Cher or or Meryl Streep or something like that singing. Oh goodness. If only there was a computer in front of me, I could just Google this. That could take a while. Okay. I anyway, think, I think what's more important is that You uh, should say hello to the audience while I Google this. Hello audience. To uh today on the podcast, we have um the amazing Casey Crawford. And if you don't know who Casey Crawford is, you need to know who Casey Crawford is because Casey Crawford is going to be potentially the next big comedian to hit your brain waves. Yeah. Yeah. He's I great. I mean, he is a great writer, a great performer. His stuff is so smart and, and so funny. And this fall, um, he's going to go on tour. Um, I don't know who with, but he tells us he's going on tour. And, and uh, so fall of, of 2021, you need to be paying attention to who's coming around your town. Because if Casey Crawford's there, you need to see him. Um, we've had the pleasure of working with him several times now. Yeah, and, and, he's, and he's crazy nice. Crazy nice. So wow. nice. He's, he is, he, when you say like, oh, he's one of the nice guys. No, he is the nice guy. <laughs> he's the nice guy. He's the <laughs> nicest person and 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 he's so talented. It's like it's it's such a it's alarming almost. Like when it's like okay, this is somebody who doesn't have to be nice to us, right? <laughs> yeah. But yet he is, and not only is he, he is the nicest. <laughs> and I don't mean to speak poorly of other people in our circle who might be really nice to us as well. No, no, no. Because they're nice as well, and it's great, and it's wonderful, and we all appreciate it. But fuck me, Kate. <laughs> Right. People, people don't like, they don't bring like Leonard Kimball up and go like how nice he is. They say like, oh, Leonard Kimball. Oh, that, he's fat. He's fat. Yeah. But, but Casey Crawford, he's nice. He's yeah, nice. Nice. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> no, it's, we, we, we joke, but at the same time, like, no, we really enjoy being, uh, in the, in, in considered a friend of, of Casey Crawford because, right. uh, and I'm sure a lot of people are sitting here going. We don't know who Casey Crawford. Well, you're gonna find out. You're gonna find out. You're gonna find out because we had a really good conversation with him. And in yes. fact, it was mostly just us uh, sitting by listening to Casey talk, which yeah. was just fine. I could I could talk. I could listen to him talk for hours. Yeah, telling stories of, uh, about you know what he's doing and the the 
Yeah, what was he on? Kimmel and yeah, Jimmy Kimmel Live, and and he, uh, he I'm sure he mentioned some other stuff too. <laughs> but at the same time, it, it's it's more about his jokes, his, his delivery, his unique style that is is, is captivating. Mm-hmm. Um, so boy, I really do have a hard on for. <laughs> Comedians the, in the, general. <laughs> the weirdest thing about his conversation was when, how he brought up uh, um, um, Barbara Streisand singing the song in, in the movie Yentl, Papa, Can You Hear Me? <laughs> you know, I didn't expect it. This but. Part, the part of me wants you to never be uh, able to access the internet again. <laughs> but then at the same time... Is that what it's from? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I have it right here in front of me. Nice. Google. Right. Papa, can you hear me? Song by Barbara Streisand. I don't like how she spells Barbara, but sure. <laughs> but, uh, Write her a letter. I'm sure she actually cares. <laughs> I'm sure she's going to be like, well, you know. Yeah. Is it too late to change that? I'm going to say something horrible here. Uh, she's still alive, right? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten that far in Google. Let me good, check. Good Lord. I think she is alive. Leonard, when when you think about um, just in general, like people being good people, like what 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 are your parameters when you think when you when you want to say someone's a nice person, like what do they have to achieve in order to be considered a nice person in your eyes? Oh well, um, uh, it's like somebody who thinks about other people, I guess, a lot. Like I say this to my my kids a lot. Like mm-hmm. when uh, I realize they do something that's like, I mean, they're not they're not assholes but like hey what you did wasn't very thoughtful so i say to them a lot hey think about others yeah just think of others uh and so i think casey's one of those guys that thinks about other people like um but yeah in terms of like thinking about if someone's nice i thinking they are thinking about what can i do to help out people around me am i considerate of people around me am i helpful to them Mm -hmm. uh Am I, you know, not trying to use them mm-hmm. to for my own gains? I, mm-hmm. I suppose. Sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, just being considerate of others and thinking about how how my actions affect other people around me. Right. I, I try to do that. Yeah, I definitely tell my children the same thing too. Like, I don't care what you become necessarily when you grow up. I want you to be successful and you know, be able to stand on your own two feet and pay your bills and all that bullshit because I don't want to do it for you forever. But at the same time, like, just fucking be nice. Yeah. Just yeah. be a good person. Like, right. don't be that person that is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever whatever your endeavors are, whatever, whatever wherever life leads you, like, just try to be good. <laughs> yeah, and you think and you think it's you think it's hard, but sometimes I think like that's my that's like the easiest path. It's like it's easy to think about Hey, how should I do this? Like, not yeah. just like, yeah. not just burn bridges with people, or yeah. you know, just to have a level yeah. of empathy, that, right? You know, and not to the point where you're 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 putting yourself into to a predicament, but at least to a point where you understand that. Oh wait, someone else's feelings are are affected. I know that sounds kind of mushy and whatnot, and as, <laughs> as guys growing up. Uh, in our into our forties here, and probably y- your dad, just like mine, was like, "Don't cry," you know. <laughs> you just like you can't. Yeah. You don't be too emotional, like uh, whatever, you know. Right. Paraphrasing, of course, but um, there, we still found a way to make it this far and try to be decent human beings. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Sure. So other people are better at it. I I love to I love to say uh, better than some, not as good as others. That's one of my. So I think I am. You know, I do I do better than some, but not as well as others when that comes to that and uh, or anything in life. So, um, God, it's all very hard, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know it what is. that? Uh, you know what's great though is comedy. Because <laughs> <laughs> people tune in for this for comedy. People tune in for comedy, and uh-huh. that's what we're here for. I I don't think we made anyone laugh these last eight minutes. <laughs> I think I made a, a joke with the Barbara Streisand thing. People, I'm sure people laughed. I'm positive. I'm already getting letters that people said that was the funniest part of the intro part. I don't, no one's walked into the room, but yeah, I'm sure you did text message or something. Uh-huh. Someone... Yeah. <laughs> uh, do these get more and more awkward. Have we said this already? I think these get more and more awkward every time we do one. <laughs> uh, well, I think what it is is that... Um, 
Well, yeah. So now we're peeking behind the curtain here. It's mm-hmm. like I, I had envisioned this part of our podcast just us, you know, having a casual conversation, and it went too deep, didn't it? And then some. Yeah. Sometimes we just like we just oh the conversation went this way. Yeah. And we're like oh well how do we get out of this? Well we don't necessarily have to get out of it. We just we just let's just go where the conversation goes. That's fine. Yeah. And one of the things I like about some podcasts is like you you feel like you're sort of intruding in on like a weird. Yeah, intruding on a private conversation with people. Yeah. And at the same time, we're trying to be entertaining to people, but it's still, it's it's you and I sitting at a table having a conversation. Yeah. So I don't mind that it's not as scripted. It doesn't have to be scripted. Right. And it's, it's, you, sure it's you and not. I have... <laughs> you mean, we didn't, we didn't script my... <laughs> saying Meryl Streep or Cher and like, oh no, it's Barbara. Bar, Barbara Streisand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be B A B R A. No, B B A R B R A, and I don't like that. I don't. Huh. There should be another A in there. I think. I feel like there should be something. Yeah, it should be B A R B A R A. Probably should be that we just <laughs> turn it over to Casey's conversation. <laughs> at this point in the game, we're gonna get letters from Barbara's now. That'd be funny if we did. <laughs> the president of the Barbara Union. <laughs> OMG. Oh, oh, wow. Yeah, we suck. Maybe we should <laughs> maybe we should script these. <laughs> well, guys, uh, without further ado. <laughs> Casey Crawford, everyone. Casey Crawford, thank you. Hey, Casey, how's it going? Hi. Uh-huh. Are we on? Yeah, we're on. Hey. We're, we're live. <laughs> yeah, we're main. Yeah, we are. Casey Crawford, thank you for joining us. No problem, fellas. Uh, I like working with you a lot, and uh, I was telling my wife, don't tell them, but I would do this for free. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We're not recording or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would come up here and hang out for free. Oh, but. we appreciate that. We, we love having you here. So. It's pretty rare in comedy to hang out with someone who is your age in, a, in approximation. Uh, uh-huh. Every other person I talk to, I feel like I'm talking down to because there's nobody else my age yeah. <laughs> who's at the mics. No, we, no that, yeah, that is true. When you go to an open mic, it's like, oh, well, look at all these 21-year-olds. They, oh, yeah. They just learn how to drink and tell a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to a kid the other night, and he was like, huh. you know, they're all like uh, 10 sets in. You know, like, yeah. I know what I'm doing now, I think. <laughs> it's been three months. I changed my profile picture. I got some headshots. Yeah. <laughs> I got an agent now. <laughs> I remember when I started comedy, it was like, change your profile picture. A week. You did one mic. And then, then that's when you changed your, like, you're holding the... You're holding the sure SM58. There you are. Look, Mom and Dad. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. By the way, I'm moving to L.A. (laughs) Yep, I'm moving to New York. I got five minutes. You know, that's that's interesting uh, because I I was wondering, like, how soon before to start actually calling myself a comedian. I don't know, Leonard. I don't don't, know. It's like five minutes before I got here. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like you've made people laugh on a microphone. That should count. That should count as, as uh, being a comedian. You're a comedian. Well, I, I you know, one, uh, it's like a musician. Yeah. What's a musician? Yeah. Is it a person who plays in a cover band every weekend? Is it a kid who just does mics? Yep. Is it a Wilco? <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's all those things because it's art. Right, right. So it's not like, I'm an accountant. Okay, well, you're an accountant. All right, well, are you making money? No. <laughs> I'm accounting for, like, it, it doesn't work on the same level, but when it does or when people try and associate it, it's because of money. Right. Do you make a living doing comedy? I remember Mike Lawrence. Remember him? Yeah, oh, yeah. A uh, great comedian. He was like, uh, uh, it's the, the levels are, are you funny enough to make your friends laugh? Mm-hmm. Are you funny enough to make other people laugh? Are you funny enough to make money? Yeah. 
And those are the three levels. Yeah. Okay. And um, I think the funny enough to make money is a long road before funny enough to make a living. Right. <laughs> which is that right. other level, which is almost impossible, I think, to get to for most people. Well, right. if, you, yeah. if you look at the actual straight comedians who are actually making a living and, and, and a good living, you probably there's, what, 20 of them? Right. You know and what I mean? underneath like, them, there's thousands of dreamers. But exactly. not, not only that, the thousands of people you talk to that you're like, uh, I remember I lived in Austin for a year and did comedy, and there was a guy there the only guy in town who was really could call himself a full-time comedian uh -huh. one, one guy in that town at that time okay and he did the funny bone chains yeah. and he would work clubs every weekend and it's because his wife was a lawyer <laughs> <laughs> there you go and you look at my situation or anybody you talk to for more than five minutes or anybody who got into a good school or somehow got some sort of amazing job. It's because of the soup that added up to that time. Sure. And then the same goes with this. Once you sit down and talk to comedians, you realize that it's not, it's hard work, but it's also just like all these circumstances have fallen into place yep. for me to just be a piece of shit most of the time. <laughs> like, yeah. So like, do you have a, do you have a full-time job? I work a pathetic job. A pathetic job. In hopes that in the fall, uh, I'm going to go on tour with a comedian whom I respect very much, mm -hmm. and I'm willing to... I'm in a situation where my wife is like, do what you need to do, because uh, clearly you can't do anything else, or you don't <laughs> want to do anything else. Like, so just do this. We'll be fine. And that's been our approach. Yeah. And she's been very patient with me. So I work... I have a master's degree in communications with mm -hmm. an emphasis in critical cultural theory. Oh my goodness! From oh. the University of Nebraska at Omaha. Yeah. I work two, two <laughs> we days. We are too stupid to be in the same room with you. <laughs> no. No. Hear me out, Leonard. <laughs> so I work two days a week at a super petroleum gas station from three thirty to ten o'clock at night. Okay. You remember Reality Bites? Mm -hmm. Remember the job Ethan Hawke had where he got fired for stealing <laughs> Snickers bars? Yeah. That's my job. <laughs> I have a teenage job. Oh, my goodness. And at that job, I don't... Uh, you have a real job, Nick, right? Oh, yeah. Leonard, you have a real job. Yeah. Sometimes you go home and you worry about your job. Yeah. I don't worry about my job. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah that's great. Yeah. I make uh, $600 a month. <laughs> But it's like I thought he was gonna say a week. <laughs> no, Nick. Sorry. It's way worse than Sorry. that. It is. I, I don't even look like this is how bad my job. I don't look at the deposits that go into my bank account. Yeah. I'm just like, all right. I'm okay. just like, but whatever. I'm, but I'm totally fine because yeah. you know I make a little bit of money doing comedy and things like that. But for the most part, the whole point of the game is to get to the point that when the fall comes and um, this guy who wants to go on tour with me wants to go, I'm ready to go. Right. They can replace. I am a body. Yep. Who can be replaced? And at that point, I'll just put all my chips on whatever happens with that tour. Uh huh. I have an almost an album, unless I'm performing in front of recent high school graduates. <laughs> but I have almost an album, and by the time that tour's ready, or gone, and I and we've gone wherever we're going, I'll be like, all right, let's let's put this baby on record. Yep. Let's do it. And that is the short-term goal for me right now. I like yeah. it. Oh, that's cool. To me, uh, I'm going to put that record out, and uh, it's a 10-year document of my life, and it's so sad. It's so sad, but it's to me, it reminds me of like that guy, almost like it could be that situation where the guy just dies, and then his <laughs> wife... His wife is like, well, I, oh, you had this thing. Maybe I should whatever. Yeah. I, I don't want it to be that. I don't want to work on it my entire life, but at the same time, 10 years of you guys getting mortgages and having children and buying vans and <laughs> yep. was 10 years of me in that van yep. writing shit jokes yeah you know well they're not shit jokes well you know what <laughs> I mean? yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's so it's been 10 years since you started comedy yeah um i don't know if i told you guys this before but i started in graduate school mm -hmm. my best friend uh tj ross is a funny guy mm -hmm. um you guys remind me of him he doesn't do comedy yeah. He works at a university in rural Minnesota. Yeah. But uh, he and I have always been two people who understood each other on like a different level. Yep. And we were like, let's, one day in 2011, we were like, let's, between him 
myself and my wife, we were like, let's all do five, try and get five minutes together in six months. Yep. We, oh, we, okay. we approached it in kind of like a, we're adults. We're not dumb enough to be like, oh, I wrote this today. Let's go up. Right. Or we're not, you know, we're smarter than that. So it was like, let's give ourselves six months. We'll all write five minutes. We'll all go up at a mic. Yeah. See how it goes. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sure. Wow. So my wife drops out. She never, you know, she was just like, I'll do it. And then, no. <laughs> but she helps to this day. That's good. She yep. does. She's very encouraging. And TJ is, has a, you know, it's one of those situations where you have your friend. It, a lot of people start that way. My friend wanted me to start. We were both going to start. He didn't come to the mic. I went. Here I am five years later. Right. Yep. TJ is the same case. Mm-hmm. And we talk on the phone and we write jokes together. We work on stuff together. Um, but uh, those guys dropped out. Yeah. And we took the five minutes that we all had that we ah. thought was worth listening to. Yeah. And I did it. Nice. And, oh, okay. And that was that was uh, 10 years ago. And then it was uh, from that point. Uh, you know, I, I was never good at anything when I was a kid. You know, I was always like a smart aleck, but no one wanted to listen to me. Like, yep. you know, the, the underdog. <laughs> I was a good singer. And that came somehow just naturally. You know, like I could sing when I was a kid. I was born by the river. Like I could sing oh, like that. Okay. Somehow, That's pretty just good. Yeah. no practice. Yeah, no <laughs> formal seventh training. Grade, seventh grade, no attention for my entire life. And then suddenly, this, sing. Yeah. And then suddenly, I was like, oh, this is what it's like to be good at something. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And uh, I was good at it, but not to the level of like I want to get better at it. I was just like, oh, it's easy for me to sing karaoke. You know, yeah. win a hundred dollars yeah. or a bar tab or what? No problem. You know, sure. putting the work into it was something completely different. Um, that feeling I had, that feeling you get when you're like, oh, finally I found my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I thought I found it, you know, then, but I didn't want to put the work into it. But that night when I did that mic, yeah, you know, it wasn't amazing, but. I felt as though I could create something mm-hmm. that day or whenever, write it, mold it together, and show it to somebody. Yep, that's great. And if that's as far as it went beyond making that room full of people laugh two or three times or whatever I did in that five minutes, yeah. oh, fuck, that was enough. Yeah. That was enough. What a feeling, huh? Yeah. Oh, it's still there. Yeah, yeah. That's still, it's like a pilot light. Yeah. Comes on, never goes off. Yeah. Never goes <laughs> off until... The best part about comedy, and I've told you guys this before, no one can tell you to stop. That's right. <laughs> That's why I started doing music, too. I played music, and it, um, I had a guitar teacher, and she was real wise, and she was just like, the best part about this man is that you're not very good at this, playing guitar and singing, but yep. no one, no one's going to tell you to stop. <laughs> they might. They, they'll put you in a little room until you die, Yeah. but like... They can't. There's no police. Exactly right. There's no comedy police. Right, there right. is at the like the industry level and the like. I can't make any money or booked on shows, but there's no like nothing. Yeah. Nothing is stopping Leonard from writing something and getting up at an open mic and doing it. Right. At its base level, no one can take that away. No matter how many assholes do comedy or run mm-hmm. shit or twenty-two year olds, you got to ask to get on shows. Right. That's all. Shit, you can't control. Right. The thing you can control is what you're writing and what you're saying on stage. 100%. Yeah, yeah. that doesn't go away. That's why I still do it. That's why we started doing our own shows and such. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we want more of this uncontrollable thing. We want to we want to get hold of it and and uh, you know, you see it here. I mean, there's people, there's a whole bunch of people showing up tonight for this show. Yeah, it's and- it's it's pretty cool that we live in a time now where comedy is exciting mm-hmm. to people where it's it's the equivalent of when i was growing up it was just like a oh there's a band at the bar yep you didn't ask what kind of music it was you just went to the bar just something to see yeah right there's someone playing the same is with comedy now it's like there's comedians no one's like oh is leonard kimball on the show (laughs) no one's like is casey crawford on the show no they're just like uh it's like pizza. Yeah. But it's like pizza at a like a fucking roller rink. Oh, you got pizza? Yeah, yeah. No kid is like, oh, what's on the pizza? Yeah. <laughs> it's, just like, oh, it's pizza. Yeah. Same with the comedy now, where it's just like, oh, we'll go be entertained. Yeah. You know, and people are super aware of comedians now. Oh, yeah. Much more so than they I mean, you know, when you have a conversation with somebody, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I'm like, just a normal person. I'm like, you know, Maria Banford? And they're like, I don't know who that is. Or I'm like, you know. Uh, <laughs> Richard Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> like, my wife doesn't know who. <laughs> you don't realize how deep you are into it sometimes, but people on the periphery, they, they can name you two or three. Two or three, yeah, yeah. But we can sit here and probably rattle off 
Hundreds. 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 Thousands, yeah. maybe. Easily. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. So 10 years develop. That first five minutes, let me ask this. That first five minutes, was it anywhere near what your time is now? Like, what was it? You're set now compared to that five minutes. What type of jokes were you doing then versus now? Well, it's interesting to me. My approach uh, has, was largely shaped by who I was doing comedy with at the time. Mm -hmm. I was in a small scene in Omaha, and there was, you know, maybe 20 people max that would say they're like any comedy level, open mic or whatever. Yep. And, um, so when I started, it was a bunch of guys who had that same idea that you have, Nick, that no one can tell us to stop yep. and that we're just going to do this. The, there's no entry point for comedy. Nope. <laughs> there is yeah. no requirement. There's no license. Just yep. we're going to do it. And that's what they did. So no one was that great when we all started. Um, but then they would bring in like these uh, big timers that would do like uh, in Omaha, they would do like the funny bone. And then, oh, this these three guys would get them on a Monday. Yeah. So it's like, hey, you're six months in, you know, scrape five minutes together. You're opening up for Kyle Kinney. You know, yeah. it would just it would, it would just go horribly. But we get these big opportunities right away. That's cool. We get these opportunities again. Oh, you're already on a rock club. You know, you're two, two, two months into stand up and you're hosting. You know, Jesus, and yeah. like, that's how it started here in Boston with all those people when they made money in the '80s. Was just like oh, we yeah. need somebody. Yeah. Can you go open for Lenny Clark or you know or whatever? Like. Yep. Yeah. That's how it started for me. But like, um, I remember specifically formulating. Uh, my approach mm -hmm. um, early on based on this whole idea of like uh, taking an angle that would never be taken and those that that um, that promise I made to myself or not a promise hasn't always held up there's yeah. been jokes I've written that I'm like okay I thought this was the one you know do you ever see that episode of it's always sunny in Philadelphia where Charlie is on and it's they're doing the family feud and Charlie answers all the answers that are like one person said this <laughs> that answer this is like who the fuck would even think of that like, and the one and he would answer correctly every time you get that and it's because he was the one who filled out the survey <laughs> oh really yeah. so he took that little one percent slice of that concept yeah. and that was his answer and that's the way I always wanted to approach comedy where it's just like be the only one who does it uh, like this okay Try and tackle this subject in such a way where it's just like you're looking at it from a God's eye yep. and you're looking at it from the angle that isn't obvious. Yeah. Like uh, when I was in graduate school, I learned how to write, you know, edit and write. Sure. And, um, I think I don't know who edited. Uh, I was reading something you guys wrote. Maybe I sent it to you or somebody, but they did a better job of editing it than I did. But um editing and the mechanics of comedy and yeah. the up and down of the language yep. and the terseness of the language one syllable instead of two mm -hmm. you know poop instead of shit those yep. things take years to slowly realize but I had those seeds early on yep. where it's like okay and I told jokes that were terrible at first you know just white guy jokes Yeah, terrible white guy jokes for the first couple of years you know and then you're like uh, oh geez I'm funny why doesn't you know and then you realize oh okay it ma yeah, every, what I'm saying actually matters the slow realization that you yeah. either eventually come to or you don't and you just become Nick DiPaolo or whatever <laughs> like you know like uh, I had that it took time for me to get to that level where I had to kind of come out of that skin and, and become better yeah. but I also was influenced by people like uh, there was this writer named Henry Miller mm -hmm. and he wrote this book he wrote a lot of books, but he was a filthy, disgusting. Like D.H. Lawrence uh -huh. was like, I'm going to talk about pussy. But in a way that, uh, in a way where you'd read it and be like, is this guy talking about pussy? <laughs> in a way where you're just like, is. this is this is a kid could read this, yeah. uh, not understand it, but an adult could read and be like, oh, this oh, guy's dirty. Oh, goodness. And then I always thought like uh, comedy is does a really good job that books used to do of making things like, um, uh, there's another guy uh, who, uh, his name escapes me, but talking about things like poop and cum and shit and period blood and all those things that we don't want to talk about in the same sentence as like a beautiful day yeah or it can be beautiful and gross and sad poetic and funny all at the same time yeah and that was what i wanted to do and that's quite an undertaking i understand that mm -hmm. but i think either consciously or subconsciously that was always my approach it's yep. just like let's write this joke that is so gross the, but try and get this lady to laugh at it who works at a bank. Oh, I love that's it. good. That's yeah. good. 
<laughs> anyway, so getting back to origins and how one starts and how you formulate. If you guys think, did you guys start at the same time or roughly? No, I'm no. probably seven, six or seven years in. Okay, yeah, and you I'm, are. I'm three yeah. years. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, like, if you would have started with a friend, your styles would have been shaped by each other. For sure, yeah. And mine, I started with a group, and there was one guy there who wrote one-liners. So amazingly, he yeah. still does. He's, yeah. a, he's a machine gun. Um, and he's great on the internet writing jokes, and he you know writes jokes, I think, for bigger comedians. But like uh, I saw that, and I'm like, okay. It was about the time of Twitter starting, too. So mm-hmm. I'm like, a lot of people are writing jokes who aren't comedians that are like, whatever. So like, um, seems kind of obvious. Maybe Twitter would be where the route I'd want to go. I do yeah. short jokes. This other guy does short jokes. But then I saw the difference between his and mine. Uh, his were topical. His were like uh, non sequitur, non sequitur, non sequitur. Yeah. I like this comedian named Emo Phillips. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Do you guys remember him? Yeah. Yep. Love him. I think he's Mer- Eugene Merman's favorite too. Okay, cool. Yeah. But Emo does shorter jokes that go a narrative style about his life. Yep. Uh-huh. And that's kind of the angle that I am trying to build with this thing where it's just like, hey, these are going to be one-liners in yep. some sort of way, but they're not going to be like the president, <laughs> you know, a car. It's all kind of hopefully going to flow into this yeah. world-building thing yeah. that is like a mild variation of what Emo did, but mm-hmm. it's still my attempt at that. And right. I think that's probably why it's taken me so long. Because there's times when I'm like, uh, I'll think of a joke, and I'm like, oh, that's great. Uh, where does that fit in my right. story? Yes. Yeah, and yes. I'll sit on it and maybe do something with it later. And I'm not good enough to be like, how do I change it? How do I shine up this, whatever? Yeah. To... So it's like, I'll just... You get frustrated it... by that? I used to, but now I'm in my head all the time. Now it's like part of the approach already where the filter's on, where it's just like, how do I make that about my wife? Yeah. Whereas before, when you're first six months or six years in or whatever, you're just like, how do I just write a joke about something? And now you're just like, oh, that's funny. How do I make that about my wife? Yeah. (laughs) How do I fill that little hole I'm looking to fill subconsciously? Right. Like, and that's taking time. I always saw myself as you got the bakery with all the donuts and the donuts are a uh, dollar, and people buy 12 of them, yep. whatever. I don't work at that bakery. And there's, a, there's one of those on every corner. Yeah. I don't work at that bakery. I work at the little cupcake place <laughs> the guy has where he makes little cupcakes all day, and they're fucking pretty good. Yeah. And they're better than those dollar donuts at the chain donut place. Yeah. And not everybody likes his cupcakes. Yeah. Uh-huh. But the people who do like it, they really like it. And they're always there. Yeah. And that's enough of a life for me. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think, I, you know, I was telling you guys, I saw Tony V last night in Manchester. And, like, I asked myself, how does a person do comedy in this area for 30 years and not become some sort of, like, how do you just do comedy without the intent of becoming, like, a guy who goes to rehab and becomes a huge superstar? Right. How do you just do comedy? And I look at Tony, and he's danced in and out and been on TV and stuff. But for the most part, the comedy is, it exists outside of that. You that look world. at any bill world. pre-pandemic, he's been on it. You yeah. Know, from Boston, north, east, west, you know. Yeah. It, it, Tony V has been around. Yeah. Right, right. And, and, but yet he's not someone you can look at, in, at on Netflix and, you know. Right. And there's a lot of comments like that. I remember watching, I used to watch, go down these YouTube holes where I'd watch yeah. these, like, self-made documentaries about comedians. <laughs> like you guys do where it's just like, I'm just going to make a documentary about my friends in the open mic scene here in Huntsville, Alabama. <laughs> I'll watch those. I watch them. I didn't even know they existed. we got to find that. Yeah, that yeah there's all kinds of... That's yeah. pretty cool. Well, at least there was back before podcasts became yeah. the main thing. Before it was just like, here's my mini doc about my friends. But I'd watch those, and I found out about this guy named Stuart Huff mm-hmm. um, from Indiana. So like he's like he's like Bob Marley. Where yeah. It's like in that state, he's a legend. <laughs> but okay. no, you know, and he tours around, and and you call him a road dog. Yeah. A road dog, but not all road dogs are just hacky. Whatever. Some of them are just people who are like, I got kids, man. Right. I got to go home tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I got a dog and a car. And uh, yeah, I work. Uh, Sure. But I'm funny. Yep. And I thought if that's the life that I have where it's just like, I just, you know, I just live here. 
and I don't have to fire my stepdad. And <laughs> that's a great life. Yeah. And I would do it regardless. I'm going to, you know, eventually I'm sure we'll move to some little town when I'm an old man. I'm going to do the mic at the bar. And if there isn't one, I'm going to start one. Yep. Yeah. yeah. We're going to be there. <laughs> I'll be there too. Like, yeah. I love it's a deep ocean comedy and I love yeah. swimming all over the place. Nice. Yeah. I went to New York for two years. Yep. Slept on a mattress in a room and lived a hard life <laughs> for a 40. At the time I was 41. Yeah. You know, I had no windows in that fucking room. I That's lived there crazy. for two years. Cause I went there cause I was like, all right, I'm going to try and get in to the clubs here. Yep. And I made some progress there, but it's New York is weird. Cause you think it's like, it's right there. It's right there, and then you get there, and it's just a building that's locked. All the doors are locked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're here. Jake Gyllenhaal's on the other side of that door, and you're just as far away as you were when you were in fucking Maine. Yeah. But you're, that's what New York was for me. Interesting. Okay. But at the same time, I said to myself, you don't do things like everyone else does, Casey, yep. so just survive here. And I did. Yep. And I started doing mics and shows with musicians, mm -hmm. not comics, because I'm like, they're not going to have me host at... New York Comedy Club, not right. anytime soon, you right. know. So I'm going to go where I'm wanted. And I did there. And I'd go to all the boroughs, Staten Island, New Jersey, and I'd do the shit mics with yep. nobody, like on a, you know. And then eventually I'd start getting bigger stuff in New York, you know, and like, <coughs> but what, what keeps me going back there and keeps me doing comedy is not that stuff. It's like the everyday where it's just like, all right, today is Saturday. I know that on Monday night, I better do a mic. Yep. You know, I better keep doing. And like you said, Nick, I don't see anybody 10 years in at mics. Mm, no. And I think maybe you, they'll say you get to a point where you write and you're okay with yourself enough to be like, I tried that the other night at the theater. It didn't work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't do that for the most part, you know. But I think, like, if you're a 10-year-in comic, you do. Because yeah. you're confident enough in yourself. But I'm never going to be like that. Like, if I ever get to do comedy long enough as Tony V does, I'll be at the mic in Manchester. It's because you're working every night. Not, not necessarily that. What I get out of it is, is that part of it. Mm -hmm. I like that part of it, man. It's like, to me, if we were all just in some town where we all just brought our guitars and played at an open mic, and we were all pretty good, but it was never more than that, Sounds yep. good. Yeah. Sounds like a fulfilling life. Sounds pretty fun, yeah. I talked to my friends from high school who are like, yeah, I'm a doctor, and i got to drink eight glasses of wine before I go to work every day. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm poor? Yeah. Uh, I'm not really poor because of my wife, but, like, I'm glad that I chose this stupid yeah. path. That actually fulfills you. Fulfillment. Yep. Yeah. Like, you realize when you get older, you're like, oh, I should just try and have a fulfilling life on yep. whatever level I can. Yep. And that's all I'm doing. you got to figure we're in our 40s. We're probably all about halfway through right now. 100%. So. I'm, I'd say I've got 18 years. <laughs> I'd say. Based on your diet or? <laughs> yes. Yes. I'd say. Diet, genetics, all that jazz. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be 88. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Probably ought to enjoy it then. <laughs> but I, I, I think I'll age into myself really well just in terms of like being an old guy that because I shit on myself in my oh, comedy. Yeah. That's the whole thing is just, oh, you remember The Simpsons? Yep. Gil, Gil, old yep. Gil. Like, that's what I do. Emo does that too. Every yep. joke is just, he's shitting on himself. And I'm like, it's gonna be so good I, when I'm 60. I think that's the best comedy. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's the funniest jokes is when, because people see it, they can see you and you know, you know they see see you and like, let me, yeah. let me just tell you how bad it really is. <laughs> right, like, yeah, I haven't completely grown into that phase yet, yeah. but when I'm just an old man where people are like, oh yeah, look at that old man, that's so sad, as opposed to doing a room, you know, in maybe like a rural part of the world where I dress like I dress, and they're like, this guy ain't driving a truck. <laughs> you know? There's no that way. part will be over when I'm 60. Right. When I'm 60, I'll be just like, oh, this poor old fucker. <laughs> you know? What what made you start wearing the, uh, the 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 coat and the hat and whatnot? Insecurity. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I brought it no, up. No, no, it's kind of, it's really a thing where um, the coat was maybe like a Gabe Kaplan type thing, where it's just like this is this is what a homeless professor would wear. Uh -huh. You know, his wife. He's just still in the he's in the trees. He's still wearing the jacket. He's she, in the trees. Uh, whatever. Like she picked him out. She drops him off at the frisbee golf course. Two months later, he's still wearing the jacket. So, 
that and then the beanie was always like I had two uncles in my hometown who ran a garage that was probably just an excuse for them to smoke weed all day, but it's a garage. Yeah. They'd work on cars and they'd dress like this year round. Yeah. My uncle Steve, he looked you know, it's just like, Are you a bassist? <laughs> but like, he'd work on cars and he'd have a hat all day and I'm like, That's me. That's perfect. I did comedy without a hat the other night and if Whoa. I would have been you know, on stage and if there would have been any time where I'm like, You're not wearing your hat, you're not wearing your hat, you're not wearing I may have may have been something that glitched in my brain but it was fine and oh. then, you know you realize like it's almost like a binky yeah you were just no 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 and your mom <laughs> takes it out of your mouth and you're like oh i'm still alive oh, okay. oh that was okay. all just me <laughs> okay. 20 years of that okay. that's funny <laughs> or like a superstition you know yeah. like if you pitched a no-no and you yeah danced over the foul line every time you yeah you're yeah. gonna lucky do that on. yeah yep. do you guys have lucky socks or anything or <laughs> Uh, I do. <laughs> uh, no, but you know, I think at this point uh, we're starting well, to develop our personas. And yeah, and, I've gotten to the age. I got some. I got some lucky compression socks now because of how, how old I am. <laughs> do you have compression socks? Either? Do you? I, I no. I, I, I don't know. I, I do have some socks that are like uh, tighter than others, yeah. and I was and I realized. Oh, you know, my feet and legs feel a lot better in these. I mean, yeah. maybe, I, maybe I should actually invest in some good socks. Some good socks. Very uh, underrated. I'd say it's almost as important as good shoes. Yeah, good socks, good shoes. Yeah, yeah Nick, when you get to be our age, Nick, you'll, you'll understand this sort of thing. I'm only a couple years behind. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah I, I think to like um, prep myself for stuff, it was always that. I remember I, I maybe told you folks this one time too but i did comedy on zoom with that dan mince guy mm -hmm. and he is uh tina on bob's burgers yep he's a one-liner comedian okay and on zoom you remember zoom right oh yeah yeah, yeah you guys remember zoom doesn't it's not the best environment for comedy sometimes and and mince does those one you know three jokes a minute same as me you know yep. kind of whatever and like he's in his apartment in new york city doing zoom and behind him is a red velvet curtain uh -huh. and a stand with a SM58, and yeah. he's talking to a microphone that's not plugged in. Uh -huh. And that's his binky. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> I think it, maybe if you think about it, you probably got one too. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, where it's just like some people are like, I gotta have a scotch and soda. <laughs> well, yeah, I actually, actually, I do a joke about my glasses, and I was thinking yeah. one night, oh, I won't wear, I'll, I'll wear my contacts tonight. And, so, and I was like, oh shit, I can't because I, I don't have my glasses to joke about. And I would hate to have my contacts in and start in with my glasses bit, my eyesight bit, and everyone be like, what the fuck's he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I think, yeah. That's, yeah, it's that's like it. a weird nightmare that you're just like, oh, yeah. shit. Oh, no. What I didn't think that? about everything. <laughs> my, my binky is my set list. Yeah? Like, I have it printed out. And oh. I have it in my pocket like all the time. And yeah. I, I don't pull it out during during shows, but I have to look at it. I have to look at it like two seconds before I walk on stage. I have to look at it again. Hundred percent. Like I, I'll, I have the joke. I'll write it out my phone, and then I give every joke a little title that yeah. only I ever see that's yeah. funny to me. Yeah. And no one else. Like people pick it up. Like what is this? What is that? <laughs> yeah. And it's just like this weird code to memorize the thing because yeah. it's all composed, and. I put it in my pocket and it's there with me at all times. Right. Even though I don't look at it. One, right, right. One time I looked at it. Do you remember the high school the other night? Yeah. yeah. There was probably two times during that set where I was like, oh shit, what's <laughs> next? You know, and there was almost a half a second where I, but I didn't. That's funny. And I was uh, so proud of myself. And that's funny because you, 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 I, I wasn't watching you, I was sitting around the corner the other night. And I, I was listening to you, and never once did I think to myself like, "Oop, oop, what, what's going, what's happening? What's yeah. next? What's next?" Because yeah. because from just the hearing the, the 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 sound of your voice, I knew like you knew each thing. Well, so nobody in that audience had a clue because I know you, you know. You guys will see too as you record your sets mm -hmm. at an open mic where you're trying brand new stuff or you're bombing. Yeah, you'll feel so bad about it as it's happening yep. and then you'll be done and you'll listen to it and you're like that wasn't that bad yeah. right oh i'm just remembering how bad it was when it happened With the, the first feeling that 50 I had times yeah like that shit yeah yeah i tell that to people all the time people will say you know to us now like oh how do i do this and that i was like actually you're really good and like oh i don't i don't feel that you know nope. first timers and whatnot and new it's people, just like, it's like that fucking maria bamford shit. yeah who's maria bamford yeah they don't know They'd have just no like idea. oh you have no oh really yeah i had no idea yep no i was only casually listening anyway <laughs> that's what most people do i remember seeing louis ck at uh this big football stadium in austin oh, at uh oddball fest yeah 
uh, when that when they did that, like let's tour stadiums with comedians. Uh, I saw him, and I was in the back of the festival. Oh man! And I was like, you know, when you go to a club and you're in the way back, people aren't necessarily laughing back there. They're right. kind of on the periphery. And I'm like, right. what's it like when at the time the greatest comedian is filling a stadium and we're a football field away from him. Can he make this woman laugh who's sitting next to me? And you know what? Sadly, he could. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I mean, it was amazing. But I've been to clubs. I've been to like Cap City in Austin and the, yep. the good clubs and I've sat in the back during like Segura yep. and like uh, the people who are big now, you know, yep. and it's not it's not as like unanimous as you think it's going to be. Mm -hmm. And even I, when you go to a show, I mean, you're not like no. You're kind of like in and out in your mind, too, as a comedian, yep. too. You know, yep. Maybe it's like, oh, I've seen this person before. I'll just kind of. But for the most part, it's just, you're kind of in your set. You're in your head. Yep. You know, like I think people casually listen to comedy. Yeah. <laughs> not, not as casually as they listen to music. We always talk about that. Like if you go to a, if, if there was music here tonight instead of comedy, everyone would be gung ho about music. Yeah. But only 50 percent of the people here are gung ho about comedy. Oh, yeah. And, you do see that, too, where it's just yeah. like, hey, there's people sitting inside. Yeah, there would never be that if there was a cover band. No, outside God, no, everyone would be outside dancing and whatnot. Hundred percent, all in. You know, yeah. but comedy's not so. Much. I remember uh, <laughs> I did my first festival ever was uh, this in this little town in Iowa called Toledo. I mean, little like Toledo, Iowa. Yeah, not like four hundred people. Little. <laughs> oh, God. The town had two bars, and like it was a festival that this guy convinced a lot of good comics to do. I was surprised, but mm. I was just a local guy that he, I was lucky enough to see. But um, there were two bars, yeah. and they would both have shows. It was like, well, at five o'clock this show, and then at seven o'clock go over to the Busy Bee Pizza Place for the next <laughs> show, and back here. And one of the bars was just like the Legion Hall oh, that geez. the local veterans would drink at, yeah. and somehow only two bars in town, so there's a comedy festival. One of these bars, they did not. <laughs> mm -mm, no so it's like you got put on that show and this is like you and the other three comics oh man and then like a guy with his back turned to you at the bar and seen it there was one guy <laughs> i remember doing that and you know you get in your first festival and you're so excited mm -hmm. you're just like i'm at a festival oh, yeah back, back before when there wasn't like one every weekend was like, ah. you know i'm a comedian and i remember going there and being so stoked and getting put on that show and like um the guy who was there there was three of them at the bar and the guy kind of liked it yeah he, he tolerated me <laughs> afterwards he didn't and, shout at you no he just kind of okay. sat at the bar <laughs> afterwards i went up to the bar and i ordered a drink and i was like oh thanks for coming and he's like oh, i, I would have been here anyway <laughs> and i'm like you know there's another sh there's another show at the busy bee up the street and there's some really great comics from like uh chicago and uh and the guy's like, oh, I don't go over there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you live in a town of 400 people with two bars in it. And a whole and comedy you, festival. You've never ventured over the hill <laughs> one time in your life. Yeah. Now we're feuding. Yeah. <laughs> this story does not end with him going to the busy beat, No, it? no. He's probably still never been there. I'm sure he's like, I guess I'll try pizza. <laughs> you know? <laughs> You only live once. I've heard good things about this pizza thing. <laughs> oh, man. I think we've seen that same guy at most of our shows, actually. Yeah. <laughs> He's my dad. <laughs> oh, my God. So how, how far along in, into, into comedy did, um, did the Jimmy Kimmel Live appearance happen? How did, how did that come about? I started in 2011. I got uh, I had a friend who also started with me in Omaha who was very funny named Abby Rosenquist. Mm -hmm. She I don't know where she's at now, but she was working with Shane Gillis for a while. Like it's amazing. Like when I started in Omaha, uh, you know people say like oh there's nothing there. Well you have to think when it, there's one city with five states around it with nothing else going on. Yeah. All the people who want to make music or do art go to that city. Oh, so on. it's like in Omaha at the time, we had three people who got just for laughs, like kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. And then Adam Devine is kind of from there too. That kid yeah. who started Workaholics. Yeah. yeah. So there's funny people there and there's kind of a culture of funny there a little bit. And she, she was really good. Anyway, she got Montreal. Yep. We're all amazed. Like, how does that even happen? Because, 
Montreal, at least it used to be. It's not anymore, but at least it used to be like this kind of like uh, like the Masons or whatever, where it's just like, how does right. that happen? Yeah. I can't tell you. Sorry. Yeah. You know, it's just like, a, you know, you just one day you get a phone call. And she recommended me. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, uh, I was blown away, but I couldn't believe that. I was at working at Tufts in Boston. Yeah. Alicia, my wife, had just gotten the job at Berkeley, and uh, I was working at Tufts in Boston, and I was just excited to do Boston comedy, because sure. I love the yeah. comedy studio. That's my favorite place. And I was just excited to do that. But when I got that, they called me like the next week, and I did some phone interviews with Jeff Singer, mm-hmm. who, if you watch the news, was the guy who just got... Oh, the controversial... He, like, yeah, okay. he, he just uh, resigned, yeah. but I talked to him in the phone interview process a few times and uh, got into Montreal as a new face is what they call it. Yep. It's like, a, here's some hot young people. <laughs> I remember he told me, don't tell them how old you are. <laughs> um, but And then I went up to Montreal and I did well up there, you know, for like two, it's like Hollywood moves up to Montreal for like uh, seven days. Yep. And for two hours, I was... The next big thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. I remember I looked, I got the paper. I was in the paper up there right next to uh, Tim Dillon. Yeah. It was him and me. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I freaked out. I was freaking out. Sure. I was like, I'm not ready for this. Because no. I wasn't. Because I started when I was 32. Mm-hmm. At that time, I was, uh, what, 38? Mm-hmm. Which, when, when you see a comedian who's 38 with good jokes, you think, oh, you must have been doing it for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. You must be the diamond in the rough I never discovered. Right. But no, it's just like, I have 15 minutes. <laughs> and that is right. it. Yeah. And I was working full time. Yep. And it's just like, I'm doing comedy two days a week, maybe if I'm lucky. You know, it's just like, I, I wasn't full time. But I think all they want from Montreal is like seven minutes. You're doing a seven minute. Uh, George Wallace hosted it. You do seven minutes, you do a couple of shows up there, and that's all they want. Wow. Because it's it's about what you can become, and it's not about what you are. Okay. No, that makes sense. A lot of people, yeah. okay. lot of people got upset or get upset about Montreal, and why don't I get JFL? Like, some great comics never got JFL. You yeah. know? It's because they're looking for something. It's not that you're not funny. They're just looking for something different. It's, yeah. It's like, why didn't I get that part? The part of the blind neighbor? You're not blind. <laughs> like, there is that element of it, sure. too. Um, that was involved and I think for me it was probably a situation where it's like we were at a time when a lot of people weren't doing jokes yep we're, they're still not really doing jokes comedy's kind of changed back into the like um, George Carlin what does it all mean right type sure, sure. comedy this is what I'm saying about society a lot yep. of people weren't just telling jokes right and I think they liked that yep. about me they're like Jeff Singer like he likes David Tell yep you know so he's like oh you're a person who tells jokes anyway so I went up there did well. Came back to Boston. Didn't hear anything. Didn't mm-hmm. some. You go up there. You get an agent. I got yeah. all these cards from all these different like things that I'm like I know. <laughs> as weird as it sounds, I'm just like, what would I do? Go work for Impractical Jokers and right. then get fired in two months? Yeah. What am I going? Alicia and I are going to get divorced? You know, like I yeah. saw all these scenarios that I'm like, I don't want this. Yeah. Okay. I want a dog in a yard, and I want to live in Boston. <laughs> yeah, okay. And I don't think these people get me anyway. <laughs> That's the other thing, guys. Is like I'm kind of weird with the comedy, mm. and like not as weird as you know some other folks are. But like I remember thinking up in Montreal too, I'm going to have to do this myself. Mm-hmm. And I think the greatest comedians are ones who are just like whatever. Fuck this! Right. Fuck this system. Yeah. I, this thing is going to get big on its own, you know. And I don't know if mine's going to get big on its own, but I also know. But you're uh, going to do it your way. I'm going to do my own yeah. self, my own way. Right, I'm right. a different comedian. Yeah. I'm not coming through the front door with these people. I'm coming through the side door and hope that they get it, you yeah. know. Um, so I knew that then, and then I did uh, that one in Portland, uh, Bridgetown, mm-hmm. which was a cool festival. And I remember at that time I was 39. There's all these 23-year-olds, and Bridgetown is kind of like a, hey, you're going to get Montreal, here's the festival you're going to do before, or at least it used to be. And I remember seeing all those young kids and thinking, like, oh, I'm still writing jokes yeah. that are weird and dumb, and I'm old. So this is not going to shut off ever. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm good with whatever happens in the industry, because yeah. I don't think it's, there's never going to be a Casey Crawford show on CBS. I know that. You know, I'm not going to wow. host a game show. Not going to do any of that shit, you know. But like six months after Montreal, I'm in Boston. I'm just working. And then 
the woman who uh, booked me for Montreal saw me down there. It's weird with comedy. Sometimes people see you do comedy twice and they think you're great. Yep. As far as they know, that's how it goes every time. Yeah. yeah. And those Hollywood people. Little do they know. Those Hollywood people, they don't. Yeah, they see it twice or they're just like, my assistant told me you were great. <laughs> I didn't go to, I got somebody, I didn't go to the show, but I heard you did well. Would you like to, there's a lot of that. And I'm like, oh, oh this goodness. is all just bullshit. Okay, got it. Understood. It's a business. Uh-huh. Yeah. A lot of agents are like 25 oh, and they're Jesus. not an agent in six months. You know, there's a lot of that, you yeah. know. These are all things I'm just saying because they didn't give me a golden ticket up there. And I have to justify my existence. That's true. I know that. But I think any comic who's gone through that process, well, you tell you, it is kind of just like, uh, oh, yeah. it's just you do. You are doing the best thing you can do comedically if you just keep doing whatever you're doing. Like, I love that. I love that advice. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. But like, uh, so I get this phone call from this woman. She's like, hey, um, I showed your tape to Jimmy Kimmel and he loved it and uh, he wants you on the show. And uh, I remember telling my wife at the time and thinking like, oh, I'd love, at the time I was like, I'll get something out of Montreal. I don't know what, Yeah. you know, I called the guy who was an agent like, maybe six months afterwards and he's like, you should write for a TV show. And I'm like, I just want to do standup. Yeah. But no agent can make money off of you doing standup if you've only got 20 minutes. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. They can put a gamble on you and be like, I'm following this guy. This guy's my guy. He's a horse that someday he's gonna right. win, but right yeah. now he's just a feature. <laughs> Like, they didn't see that in me at all. I wasn't young or cool, you yeah. know? So, like, nobody on that level was, like, whatever. They, I could have gone and maybe gotten some shit writing job or whatever, and maybe, in retrospect, I should have. But, anyway, she's like, do you want to be on Jimmy Kimmel? And in my head, I was like, I wish it was Conan. <laughs> right? No, I hear you there. Absolutely. Well, I think really? that's most... Yeah. At that wow. time. At the okay. time, for sure. Or Letterman yeah. before that. Yep. Okay. You know, but I'm like, yeah, you don't say no to TV. So no, you can't. I did it. I remember Ryan Donahue did it from Boston, um, and then Sam Jay did it, mm-hmm. and she crushed. But I remember thinking after Ryan said that it was not going to be my crowd, that they weren't necessarily like people who would have gone to see me, mm-hmm. and that it was going to be hard. And it was, it was hard on like a level of like, um, I'll say this about shows and like prepping for something big. Try it in different rooms. Yeah. That sounds so obvious. But do your 10 when you get to your fest, when you're like, oh, I got into a festival. Do that 10 in different rooms. Yeah. I did mine at the studio in Boston every night for like a month. Yeah. So it's like, you know what to expect. You know what the numbers are. But then I never did it really anywhere else, Mm -hmm. even outside of Boston. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like, how do normal people who aren't like (laughs) fans of alternative comedy going to react to this? Yeah. And I didn't factor that in. I just thought it was going to be fine. Jimmy yeah. Kimmel liked it. He loved it. Sure. He'd quote my jokes to me. Yeah. You know, like, uh, it'll be fine. And then you get there, and it's like, I remember, I've said this before, but I remember the director, when we were doing, they have you come out and do your set to just the crew, and they loved it. And the director is like, oh, I totally get what you're doing, man. Do, <laughs> is there anything I can do to help you? And I'm like, could you put all the cool people up front? <laughs> And uh, or all the young people. I don't remember what I said. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I remember. Stack the I, room somehow. I'm in the green room. I don't feel like I should be there. Yeah. Piers Brosnan. And, oh Jesus. <laughs> oh really? And the girl from Felicity. <laughs> and then like a band. They're there in their own rooms. Piers Brosnan's wearing like a tuxedo. Oh my god. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck am I doing and you, here? And you ran back out to your van, got your tux. <laughs> I remember I called my friends. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? I'm in the green room and I'm like, what am I doing here? But you don't say no to TV. No. And, you know, Hollywood is really made, as the Red Hot Chili Peppers say, in a basement. (laughs) I did my set. I remember the first joke. Sometimes I'll tell that lonely joke Mm -hmm. and people laugh for 30 seconds. You know, that's, that's. Yeah. And at the studio, sometimes that's how it would go. Where it's just like, oh, it's like Nelson Cruz, home run on the first pitch. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's just kind of when you're dumb and yeah. you've not done TV before, that's your expectation for how it's going to go every yeah. single time. But TV is a different animal. Yeah. It is. It's live. Yeah. You can't just whatever. It, it's like riding a bull. You're not going to go eight seconds the first time you do it unless <laughs> a miracle happens or you're very comfortable. I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't in my element at all. I didn't like Mm-hmm. The situation, it's, you know, it's like, I hate these people. I've always hated 
I always hated. You're never going to get another spot. You know that, right? Popular <laughs> culture. Yeah. I've always hated chicken finger comedy. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, come on, knock it off. But that's not everybody. Eight out of ten people apparently love it. <laughs> they do. They seem to. Yeah, but you I get remember. Three minutes. You get three minutes for that. I wish I would have had longer. On Conan, they give you like five or six. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like I'm in a different situation. I probably could have developed myself a lot better. And, yeah. and but at the same time, I'm like, anyway, the lights come on. I look out for the cool people in the front, and they all look like they work at a bank. Like oh, it's the man. Yeah, and I'm like, not my crowd. Not my crowd. I finish my set. I survived, mm-hmm. and if it would have been, I think, a, the third comic and a five-comic bill would have been totally fine, but it was TV, so yeah. in my mind, I'm like, oh, geez. Well, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You get to do it. Yeah, and uh, I did it, and they pushed me out into the daylight. Uh, you know, Hollywood is. It yeah. is made in a Quonset. Mm-hmm. They pushed me out into the daylight of the alley, and I was back into real life, and I, I remember I took a... They picked me up in a black... Uh, Escalade that drove me. This is Hollywood. I was at the Roosevelt Hotel, two blocks from where Jimmy Kimmel films. Yeah. They picked me up in an Escalade and drove me to Jimmy Kimmel through the alley. <laughs> through the alley. <laughs> they paid a guy. <laughs> a guy had to take. T- oh my. <laughs> That's goodness. his job. Two blocks. And That's I'm funny. not Matthew McConaughey, so he's just like, what is going on? You gotta make sure you get there safe. I mean. Yeah. But I remember at that time thinking, well, this is never gonna happen again. Yeah. Yeah. But it's an experience. You get your hand cut off by Darth Vader, or <laughs> your Jamie Lannister, and you're still alive. I'm still alive. You're still oh. alive, and you're getting better. Yep. Because, like I said, Nick, <laughs> no one can tell you to stop doing comedy. I love it. Not even the people in charge. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's, great. That's a good point to uh, to end the discussion. Yeah. That's fucking. That's a great story. Oh, great! I story. love it. Thank you very much. Thanks. And I'll tell you guys this. You think it's this next thing is going to be the thing. There's so much up and down with this that will be happening for the next 20 years. Yeah. Tell your dad you're not going to. You kind of just got to head down and power through. Yeah. And when you do it that way, when you don't think about other podcasts or other comedians and what they're doing, and we got to do this and we got to do this, and you just head down and be like, oh, we love doing this, and we'd be hanging out regardless, then you'll be fine. Yep. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Well, thank you very much, Casey Crawford. Uh, really awesome to have you on the show. Um, I, th- I think we should just end it there. This was, this is I mean, great. unless you have something for Curse of Darkness. Do you have something for Curse of Darkness? Uh, so Curse of Darkness, yeah. I'll let you explain it. Okay, so there's an idiom. Um, I'd rather light a candle than curse the darkness. Uh, and it means, like, uh, I'd rather do something about problems than just complain about them. But in opposition of that, we'd like you to complain about something that you don't have any plans to do anything about. Uh, let's see. You think I have an answer for this, Leonard? <laughs> that was the whole point. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be cliche and complain about comedy in the industry because I've just spent no, half an hour. No, it's be anything like, yeah. like, like yeah. toilet paper without an actual roll in it or something like that. Oh, my God, that happens? I'll yeah. say this, oh. and I don't know how related it is. Okay. And it's, it's not related because I want to do something about it. There's not enough nice people in the world. Uh, uh-huh. There's not enough nice people in comedy. There's a lot of assholes. It's like music. Yeah. It's just like, I'm a sleazy guy who wants to fuck you. <laughs> That's a lot of that. <laughs> and there's too much of it in comedy. Yeah. And because of the money thing and the competition thing, it turns people into jerks. Yeah. And it's unnecessary. What is the point of that? There's Why none. fight someone when you're just telling jokes? So, like, uh, I guess I'll say this. If I could throw my hands up at the world and say, what's wrong? But there's nothing. I don't know what to do about it. It's just like, why aren't people nicer? Be nice. Yeah. God yeah. damn. Just be nice people. That's what I tell my kids. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's interesting in, in this industry because... You know, our our job is to make people laugh. We're not like we're not boxers. We're like we don't we don't have, we don't, we don't have to fight each other. Yeah, <laughs> like we're we all just want a room full of people to laugh. Yeah, and once you've been in like four scenes and you go to another scene where they're like, oh, that that's the black guy in town who does comedy, and there's the fat guy, and you're like, oh, this is all just a trope. Yep, this is all just. And then I sit down I'm like, how's it going here in Huntsville? And they're like, the fucking people in this town suck. Why can't I get on this show? And I'm like, oh, this happens everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard this story. Yeah, yeah. I remember playing music and like uh, as a band, uh, hear the other bands. Why can't we get in this room? And I'm like, oh, this just happens. It's just the way it is. Competition sucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the way it is. Yeah. Well, 
Well, thank you very much, Casey. Fellas, thank you. Thank you, uh, thank you. Yeah, I don't know how many people will listen. Usually, like, my brother will listen to it or That's whatever. That's good. That's so one you, more. That's there you go. So, so that makes 14, I think. All right. Yeah, give or take. Give or take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we really appreciate it. Well, you guys seem like you're having a good time, and I, you're, I'm, I don't, I'm, are we done recording? I consider you both friends. Oh, oh you're, you're thank a great you. friend. Thank no. you so much. And so not, you, yeah, so not just because you've paid me three times. <laughs> like I said, if, if I saw you at a mic in Boston, I, we'd sit together at the mic. I like that. I really appreciate that. I look forward to that day. Excellent. It's not saying much, but yeah. No, it's, it's <laughs> <Good>. something. Yeah. <laughs> right. Thanks, Case. Casey Crawford, everyone. Thanks, Thank fellas. you. That was Casey Crawford, a friend of comedy and a friend of the podcast and a friend of us and a friend to all of you <laughs> and such a great comedian. Yes, he's he's a great comedian, great guy, and uh, really can't recommend him enough. Uh, he's doing a summer residency at the uh, comedy, comedy studio? studio, yeah, okay. in Boston. Uh, so if he's not one of our show, not on one of our shows, or uh, one of uh, main event comedy shows, um, or uh, Portland Comedy Co-op shows, or any any show here in Maine, you can find him down in Boston. Um, you know, he's so good. Great, great. All right. Thanks again to everyone who listened. Tell your friends and follow Comedy Think Tanked wherever you can. Be sure to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Find us on Instagram at Comedy Think Tanked. Twitter at Comedy Tanked. And our website, ComedyThinkTanked.com. Email us at ComedyThinkTanked at gmail.com. Good day. Music was written and produced by a minor, Ralph Bergfeld. No comedians were hurt in the production of this podcast. All audio snippets of actual funny punchlines were not written or performed by any of us or our subsidiaries. Rather, they are express written bits of professionals we admire. Let the civil actions be filed. Any opinion heard, actual or implied, is that of the comedy think tank producers and their guests. Any slight, insult, affront, slur, disparaging remark, snub, rebuff, rejection, or spurning, no matter how derogatory, pejorative, or abusive you may feel it is, was not intended, but for comedic, entertaining purposes only. Thanks for listening. For shizzle, my nizzle.